Hello and welcome to the Back to Football podcast. It's show number nine. It's July the 4th, Independence Day, and I'm joined by John Miller. How are you, John? Very well, thanks. Dan, how are you? Yeah, I'm all good. I seem to be free of the cold and the lemonade curse that I had in in episode eight. Uh, And yeah, I'm doing pretty well. Has your week been all right? Yeah, I had a a busy week. had a busy last uh, seven days from... uh, Winning the dad's race at my son's sports hey, day. The nice. Egg and spoon race, although there was some cheating going on, you I must say. Oh, okay, what? You cheated or? Well, what happened was uh, one of the dads next to me, just before they blew the whistle, the head the uh, head teacher blew the whistle, he was like, I'm going to put my thumb on it. And I was like, well, oh. if I don't put my thumb on it and he puts his thumb on it, and then another dad said he was going to put his thumb on it, and there'll be me doing it right, coming last. And then everyone else just sprinting off. So I thought, you know what? I take a first few steps without my thumb on it, and I can see a few of the few of the dads pulling away. And I thought, mate, I'm not having this, do, mate. Got to do it. Yeah. So I turned the Usain Bolt on and uh, <laughs> and, uh, and came through the finish line first. So Were you fully sprinting? No, well, I did to catch up. So I did that. You know that power sprint that you see the athletes do when they like yeah, take those yeah, short yeah. steps, and then they start to pull away okay. when they get their head up. So I thought, oh, I had to take some quick steps at full pelt, <laughs> at full pelt. And then as I started to accelerate past them, I like, you know, slowed down a bit and kind of gave a, gave a Usain Bolt style ease up jog yeah. as I went through the line. Do you do um, the MoBot or anything at the end? No robot, do, do the what? The, Mo- the MoBot. No MoBots, no MoBots. Um, no, just, uh, just smiling and, you know, shrugging the shoulders like, yeah, all in a day's work, all in a day's all work. All in a day's work. Yeah. Um, Anything else happened in your week that, of, um, of note? Well, went to my first funeral um, okay. on um, uh, Tuesday. Right, how was this that? This week. Um, well, it's never nice. Never. No, it's never nice to go to a funeral. And, um, you know, um, it was my, my wife's grandma who passed away uh, a few weeks back. Um, but I've never actually been to a funeral before. Um, you know, I've got relatives that live in America and just it happened that when they passed away and when the funeral yeah. was, I wasn't able to go. So it was my first funeral. Um, but it was a really nice send off. Um, and I was actually quite inspired. This is something that I want to do. I haven't actually spoke to it about this okay. yet. Do it um, live. So, huh? Do it live. Or do not? it live. Right. So um, what Grandma Joy did, right, uh, through her life is she'd like, she wrote a book of her life, but not chronologically. Like so, different things happened. She wrote about it, okay, um, and stuff like that. And and when she passed away, those those were found by um, by my wife's mother, right. and then they put them all together, sort of chronologically, and made it into like a book. Um, that's not obviously not going to be like a bestseller, bestseller but mm. it's it's nice for the family, yeah, of course, um, to kind of look at the book and look at the pictures. And look at stories about like their favorite places, holidays. Um, she was a teacher, so like maybe like you know the, the, that journey and all that kind of thing. So I was thinking, do you know what? While 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 we're young and yeah. while we got our faculties, you know, you know, with us, we should maybe like start. I might start writing writing a few things down. John's memoirs. Yeah, and then you know, and then they could be made into a. a, a a book, a hardback, uh, with some cool <laughs> photos, if new era hats and it, all sorts it? from back o- in the day. Audible download. Yeah, 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 maybe an app or something, who knows? Yeah. <laughs> um, I'd be happy to put myself forward, to be honest, to narrate 
uh, the, yeah, yeah, the, the yeah, yeah. You've got some experience doing that. Yeah, yeah. I can. Yeah, yeah. Um, so um, yeah, that that could do. That's that's, that's <laughs> something I might do uh, when I get a bit of time. I think it's good. I think yeah. that kind of thing is great. Um, even just you know doing to to some extent you know doing this podcast is a, a modern version of, of oh, that yeah. kind of thing. Would you know, you're, you're documenting um, a stage of your life and different stories, and you know, in twenty years time. Ooh. You could listen back to this and 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 laugh. Yeah, laugh at, at hysterically the, at the antics that were. <laughs> um, it's show number nine. Bit of a gear change here. Uh, back to football. Yes. Um, uh, show number nine today. So uh, we have a quick question, or I have a quick question for you, John, uh, as to who is the greatest number nine of all time. Um, I've got a list, uh, and I think what I'm going to do is I'm just going to reel off the list, yes, and then go. You can pick your man uh, yeah. from this list. So we've got Ronaldo, um, which is our the Brazilian Ronaldo but also Cristiano Ronaldo did wear the number 9 when he first joined Madrid uh, until he sort of prized the number away from uh, Raul when he went and joined uh, Schalke and uh, I think Karim Benzema's worn the number 9 for probably about 7 or 8 years now um, you got Samuetu uh, was a good yeah. number nine. Gabriel Gabriel Batistuta. Oh, Batistuta. Flippo Inzaghi. Uh, Alan Shearer. Um, that's a big number nine from our, our yeah. childhood. Yes, definitely. Um, current number nines in the Premier League: Alexandre Lacazette, mm-hmm. um, Romelu Lukaku. What, what's, what's he doing on the list? <laughs> Soon to be probably not even a Premier League player. No, exactly. Yeah. Um, two goal scorers in uh, Brazil's. Um, win over Argentina this week to progress to the Copper America final which is Gabriel Jesus and Bobby Firmino or Mm -hmm. Firmino rather Um, they're both number nines for their clubs Uh, Tottenham's number nine do you know who that is? it's not Kane he's number ten yeah Kane's number ten who's your number nine? Uh, Spurs' number nine is Vincent Janssen Okay um, then. Who's not uh, number nine to, <laughs> okay, uh, to write home about? Uh, and also, interestingly, Chelsea don't currently have a number nine. They don't, do they? No. Who was their last number nine? Was it, uh, was it Torres? Was Torres number nine? Well, I, I, I couldn't tell you off the top of my head. Fact check that. Maybe Falcao when he played there for a little bit. I think that was after Torres. So yeah, um, I'm sure they've had someone uh, in between there. But yeah, if you do know, please do get in touch with Ooh. the Back to Football uh, podcast. That is the number one podcast for people who probably should talk about something other than football. And on today's big show, uh, we have a very healthy Love Island segment. Uh, we're going to be revis- very healthy revisiting the draft and uh, going over the key events of, of the week gone by. Uh, Greg Hollands, our conspiracy connoisseur, will be on the show uh, giving us uh, an insight into uh, Bob Lazar's uh, or the documentary about Bob Lazar on Netflix uh, that came out last week. Uh, we'll go toe to toe with John in a three round thrilling, uh, or three minute rather. Not three Don't rounds. Think you got three rounds in yet. Oh no, it's the third one. Yeah, the third one. Yeah, so of, that does make sense actually. Of, <laughs> accidentally. Of, of John's boxing rounds, that's three minutes of uh, rounding up everything that's gone on in boxing. And then of course the show will go back to football. Um, and I think we're going to throw a little Wimbledon segment in there, which I think maybe we'll do that right now. Okay. Um, Wimbledon obviously only a stone's throw from where we both work yes. and, and kind of live um, South West London SW19 is it? For SW19 SW19 yeah, SW19, yeah. Um, I used to live 
very, very close, you know, probably like five minutes from the Wimbledon um, facility, I guess you would call it, All, All England Lawn Tennis and Croquet Club. Yep. Um, but I was obviously SW18 there, which always yes. confused me a little bit. But SW19 is very much the postcode of the uh, the championships and uh, what a championships it's been so far. You've had, I think the big story for me is 15-year-old Coco Goff yes. who uh, knocked out Venus Williams in her first round. Played yesterday, so um, what's that? That was Wednesday. Wednesday, yeah. Uh, and beat uh, Ribarikova, who was a former semi-finalist at Wimbledon. She's on a roll. Yeah, she'll take on number 35 ranked uh, Polona Hercog in round three tomorrow. Um, and Hercog uh, actually knocked out Madison Keys, who's another key yes. uh, American player uh she knocked out madison keys yesterday so that that should be a pretty good uh it's good matchup good yeah. matchup but i i think i think this coco goff's gonna gonna go all the way do you reckon i think she's br- absolutely brilliant like i mean she's 15 so she should be playing in the in the juniors yes yes because she got to be 16 right but yeah did she get what she got a um, so she came marker. through the roehampton uh qualifiers Ooh. didn't drop a set or and i'm under the impression that she's not actually dropped a set yet Maybe she lost one to Venus, um, but she looks incredible. So composed, um, so confident out there on the court. She has a full range of uh, of shots in her locker, and yeah, I'm certainly going to be tuning in to uh, to watch her match up tomorrow. Um, Serena Williams and Andy Murray they start their venture in the world of mixed doubles mixed tomorrow. Doubles, yeah. um, that's a superstar pairing if that I is. ever saw one. Uh, they'll take on Alexa Garacci and Andreas Meis uh, tomorrow. Then? I think I think they'll solid go, pairing. I isn't think it? they'll go away. Um, I just think a lot of the good doubles pairs are not necessarily good individual players. Um, and it's more about the actual teamwork and the chemistry on court so uh, Murray and Williams are going into this a little bit cold Uh, I don't think they would have put many hours in together but they'll they'll have a good relationship I'm sure in terms of they've been both been on the tour for 10 12 years or whatever it is more for Williams even at this point Um, but I think that would be going to be interesting. Someone that's not been on the someone that's been on the tour for five minutes, who we've already talked about, Coco Goff. She's also pairing up with uh, a Brit in the mixed doubles. Uh, that's twenty-year-old Jay, um, Jay Clark, who's another yeah. one. I think he's like one hundred and sixty something ranked uh, for singles, but good solid doubles player. Yeah. Um, so that'll be interesting to see how very those two interesting get stuff. I think you may find that. Uh, Coco Goff, if she's still in the tournament um, for, for the women's singles, she may uh, be less focused on uh, on the doubles, on going through you know yeah. too far in the doubles tournament just to to maximise her, her recovery time yes. and etc cetera, etc. Cetera. But I think it's been a good Wimbledon so far. The courts, yeah. I don't know if you've seen any of it on TV, but courts look kind of ropey. I'm mean, yeah. I'm not. I'm no gardener. Um, <laughs> Grass expert, lawn expert. Yeah. Um, but lawn mower. <laughs> it must be something to do probably with the, the, the crazy heat wave yeah, that we had in London yeah, just before dry. the tournament. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, the grass, even on day one, looked kind of ropey. Um, so, yeah, not to, not to shit too much on the women yeah. groundsmen who do an incredible job to, you know, manage that many courts yeah, for such a big yeah. tournament. Can't can't uh, just can't make any justifications for the weather. You know, it just happens. Exactly. Yeah. What could you do? Stuff. You got any plans to head over to Wimbledon? 
Uh, yeah, I'm hoping to be going on the Saturday, uh, the 13th, I think it is, which will be the the final of the doubles. So maybe Murray and Williams will be uh, in the final that day and it will be the, the women's, women's final, final yeah. will be on that day as well. Because it all wraps up on the 14th, doesn't it? Yeah, on mm. the Sunday. Obviously, if... And as it's forecast to, um, if the rain does play a big part next week, sometimes um, things get shifted on, don't they? So, yeah. you know, it has been in the past... Well, actually, it shouldn't be this year because they got the roof on centre court and court one. So... Um, they should be safe with that, but there's always obviously in the past been the possibility of it overrunning onto either Monday or even yeah. sometimes playing that middle Sunday, but it doesn't look like that's going to be the case this year. It's beautiful weather. As we record, uh, and this is sort of midday on a Thursday that we're doing this. Um, yeah. great, so great view from a... It should be nice. From a, from where we are. Yeah, from Towers. Yeah. The, uh, <laughs> from BTF the Towers. BTF Towers. <laughs> from the BTF Towers, yeah. Um, Love Island, let's get on to it. Um, is it an understatement to say that shit hit the fan this week? Yes. Um, and not even the proverbial type. I mean, real dog mess. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, Casa Amor um, Casa hit us. Amor. And it certainly, I mean, in previous two seasons, it's provided a lot of drama. Uh, yeah. And it did not disappoint, not I disappoint. think, this year. Um, the girls, obviously, were the ones that went away to Casa Amor. The, the boys stayed in the villa. Mm-hmm. Um, and the new girls joined them there. Do you think... Um, psychologically that staying in the villa makes any difference to going to Casa Amor in terms of the the coupling up process and, and mentally potentially. People, people coming into your house rather than you going into a new environment. Yeah, I think potentially like going away is more like, you know, I guess there's less reminders, isn't there? Yeah. Like a lot of the boy, a lot of the, uh, the, the if you go to Casa Amor, then a lot of the, the, the girls' stuff would have kind of yeah would, would have been there maybe so and it's like when they've gone away it, it, well potentially you could be like well it's almost like going on a, yeah. a lad's holiday or, yeah. or a girl's holiday um, so you know we all know what happens on those most of the time you know um, and which by that logic then so the boys are staying and they all the, the girls, <laughs> girls' stuff is around it makes it even worse yes, uh, it does with indeed. the events that then played out with uh, particularly with Curtis and Michael um, Curtis let's go with him first um, did you at all witness what Jordan like the connection that you had with Jordan there the, was no connection there no um, I think he it was I was quite um, I think he took a, a liking to her I mean she's mm. a very beautiful girl but it's almost as, it kind of I, I felt a bit uneasy by it it was almost like she had no choice in it no say like he, he hadn't actually spoken to her yet and he was like oh I, I can't decide you know do I go with Amy or do I go with Jordan and I'm like have you spoke to Jordan is that even an option and then when he finally did ask it wasn't even an option yeah so all that fuss for nothing yeah I mean he I just the guy's lost his head this week yeah he really head has gone. lost his head's gone and I think he kind of every time he said something and kind of referenced Jordan and said, oh, well, you know, I kind of, I saw this thing that I, I felt like I was missing. And it's like, okay, either say it black and white that you felt attracted to someone and Ooh. therefore you realise that you weren't necessarily attracted to Amy. Yeah. Or just say, like, I realise actually that 
all this time I, I don't feel as strongly about mine and Amy's relationship or, or whatever yeah. but um, he's certainly worked himself into a, a horrible situation I he's mean, been he's digging for about four days yeah. straight um, <laughs> gonna find some gold yeah here. he is digging um, that deep I just I just think the guy has backed himself into a, yeah. a corner where he really just not going to get out of that anytime soon do you think there's any going back I mean Amy was pretty cut up last night it was heartbreaking to see her in a diary room uh, you know, getting upset about it. First love, uh, as, as she put it. Yeah. Is it, do, you think, do you think there's any going back? She's got... Um, the girls are, you know, they're like, man, no way, you deserve better. They're in there. Yeah. She hasn't really got, from from looking at the show, she hasn't really got anyone kind of saying, oh, you know, you made a mistake, maybe you give him a chance. It's yeah. all kind of, you know, anti-Curtis uh, vibes from the, from yeah, the rest I, of the girls. I, so. personally, I, th- I think there probably is no going back yeah. because she left it wasn't like there was an event that kind of instigated this. It was she left on perfect terms, mm. and he still had all these doubts and and yeah. tried to basically he tried to jump ship. Yeah, like, there's no denying yeah. that. If Jordan had turned around and said, "Okay, let's do this," she would Amy would have come back into the villa yeah. to tell Curtis oh. that she loved him. To think. and he would have been stood there with this new girl. Yeah. and it was interesting actually from a production point of view how. Um, the show kind of let them the order in which the show let them choose because yes. obviously they let Danny go first um, and it was obvious that Danny was going to choose Jordan um, so that kind of didn't leave Curtis a choice yeah. as to whether to do it I mean she'd already pretty much pied him yeah, off she and said she no pied him completely didn't but she? you would think that they for the, for the drama the show might have um, gave him that option gave him Curtis, the option yeah. of actually being able to pick her at the time um, but yeah, I, I I think he could be the first to walk voluntarily. Obviously, Sharif was asked to leave. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think that that Curtis or Amy, um, and and even potentially both, um, may actually leave the villa without being voted off. Yeah, I honestly think things are. I think he's he's burnt too many bridges. He yeah. made the mistake. They were too. The, too loved up. We were in too deep too Ooh. soon and he obviously he's quite a nice lad Ooh. and I think he got too in, caught up in the narrative that he'd created yeah. and that everyone else had also imposed on them that they were the mummy and daddy and they were yeah. the, the, you know nice people have doubts as well yeah, that's, yeah. that's a it's it's just unfortunate it's on telly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that it's and the other you know the other factors that go into it that it's Amy's first relationship and she's finally let her guard down etc cetera, etc. Cetera. It's yeah. really just not a nice situation. Yeah. And um, I think you've got a point there. I think either Amy will walk or uh, or she might end up going on the basis of because I'd imagine they'll be like if you're not coupled up by the next yeah. Then, then you're going to go and I can't see her recoupling with anybody no um, so she's either going to walk or she's going to go by default of her not being in yeah. a couple yeah so this, that, she's one of mine as well from the draft so she is, it's not yeah. looking good we'll get to that in a second yeah. um, let's talk then about um, Mr. Michael yeah um, Nino Nino <laughs> <laughs> the fireman uh, what he's been up to so he obviously did jump ship he, he was um, the only boy to recouple um, properly and 
he is now in a couple with Joanna or Joanne. I'm not sure which one it is. I think it's Joanna. Joanna. Yeah. Um, and Amber obviously came back into the villa thinking that, okay, it's fine. He's going to probably yeah, still yeah. be there. He'll be waiting for me. Um, and that's probably where the most of the drama kind of came from. Yeah. Um, probably, it's probably of an equal um, magnitude as the Curtis and Amy situation. But I think, well, probably actually, I think slightly less because Curtis and Amy were more more um, settled and yeah. in their couple. But I think there was a few more fireworks in the situation with uh, Amber and Michael. And I don't know what's what's your call. We've not really spoken about this, so and it's a touchy subject. It's a very there touchy will be subject. some. There will be a lot of people that will disagree with whatever you say yeah. either way. It's a, such a tough one. Um, I think his whole demeanour has changed um, completely. Like how he was before uh, they went, uh, the girls went to Casa more. Like he's more. I don't know. I don't know whether he was on the defensive and he'll go back to normal once it all calms down. But in terms of, I mean, it's such a tough one. I mean, the, the guy just showed to find love, right? And he's gone there. He's seen Joanna and he's, he's obviously seen something more in her than what he saw in Amber. However, the disappointing thing is, instead of owning it, in a, in a similar way to what Curtis did, he kind of did say, look, like, you know, my head was turned. You know, it's, I think if Michael would have said, you know, when asked by Caroline uh, Flack, you know, oh, my head was turned. I see uh, more potential, more of a future with Joanna, with similar ages, etc., etc. And I think I don't think the explosion would have been as as volatile as it was. Um, but it's because he came in and started saying, "Oh, yeah. you're this and called you're that," and called her out while she stood in front of him. Yeah, like you know, mm. your things that you did, which yeah. kind of I was biting my tongue, and uh, you're childish, and yeah, you know, it's just kind of it's you're the reason. And that must not have been nice for her to not, must not have been nice for her to hear. Um, so, um, yeah, um, I think uh, that was uh, definitely not good, not good on his behalf. You got to own it. You got to own it. Yeah. Your head was turned. You know, you find her more attractive. Just own it. Yeah, I think he was well aware. As I think it, one of his problems was I think he feels or felt like Anna's or oh, sorry Amber's going to come at him whatever happens and if you show any weakness then if you show any weakness to Amber um, she's likely to pounce on you and kind of hit you on the offensive so I feel like that that was that was more his thinking was that okay he needs to come out all guns blazing yeah to not leave too many chips on the table but I mean straight away I've seen him kind of he's he's now being labeled online as, as showing kind of abusive traits and this is Ooh. this is the this is the issue now yeah. is that whatever route you take you either take the Curtis route and this is probably like people will probably really not agree with this but you either take the Curtis route and you'd be really nice and you'd be in the end you you'd be too nice that yeah. you you mask over um insecurities or doubts or whatever or you take the Michael route and come out of more guns blazing and Ooh, get yeah. labelled as abusive. So you've labelled as weak and you know unable to process your emotions, or you're abusive and too assertive. Ooh. And I don't I, know, it's a really tr- it's, it's a tricky one. What obviously 
I haven't seen that online. I haven't didn't go online too much Twitter, yesterday. Um, so what is the angle from your perspective where people are? What's he done that's abusive? It, like just. I don't. I don't. I don't see it. I think he's just. He's made a decision. Yeah. He knows that Amber and Anna have a lot of influence. Yeah. Or they have big voices in the villa. Um, and I think he's just purely just on the defensive. Yeah, he's on know? the defensive. They're on the defensive. I mean, Anna. I mean, I don't know if we're going to get yeah. time to talk about that, but pot kettle. <laughs> I mean, come on. Um, you know, she's pretty much done the same thing. Yeah. Um, and Jordan Jordan obviously picked up on that in last night's yeah. episode as well. Yeah, he did. Um, and she's getting zero flack. Yeah. Pardon the pun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Zero flack. Uh, so... Yeah. Yeah, well there's there's a developing um theory that perhaps Ovi uh or if Anna's to kind of carry on getting to know Jordan as they've suggested that they may do now yeah. she come back into the villa because there seems to be something still yeah, there. Yeah, definitely. Um people uh, online are saying that potentially Ovi and Amber could be a couple if Ooh, Anna yeah, and Jordan were that. to actually continue their thing. Um but I don't know. It's a it's murky it's a waters. Tricky. I mean, to be honest, I'm actually I'm so looking forward to the show getting back onto stable ground now because yeah. I think it is actually quite a tough watch at mm. the moment because a lot of the things that are happening now, I feel like we we don't have a full rounded knowledge of yeah. what are the you know what are these people, what are their past experiences, what are their backgrounds. Um, how were they raised? What was their last relationships mm. like? You know, there's a lot of factors that go into these behaviours of all these different people, um, and I think it's so easy to to make a snap judgment yeah. on what we're shown. Um, and that's why I, that, I actually quite recommend watching unseen bits on a Saturday because yes, you yes. actually get a little bit more of that. And you know, we may see in unseen bits, we may see the actual uh, connection that Curtis and Jordan. Jordan yeah. had, um, but I doubt just it. think, yeah, I doubt, <laughs> it, doubt it. But I just think we're uh, we're getting to a point now where um, it's getting quite heavy, and in you know there are some things at the moment that are quite hard to, you know, where there's people that are genuine. I think the biggest casualty at this point is Amy. Yeah. For me, yeah. I think um, Amy is the one who who lost out the most in the, in this whole Casa Moore situation because she has come back to just have every dream shattered. And the way that the show was actually cut um, to show that with her, you know, saying, oh, I think I, I really love him and I'm going to yeah. go back and tell him I love him. And then her coming back in to just having someone just take a sledgehammer to, yeah. to you know, the greenhouse of her emotions, um, <laughs> I think is actually very painful... Um, watching and that sort of stuff that's gonna scar you know i don't think that's just fun tv to watch that's actually scar a scarring personal experience yeah um that's gonna take some time to bounce back from um let's recap on our uh our draft um i'll let you know who i've got in my draft is uh amber lucy molly may tommy and curtis um, so I think I'm I'm pretty strong there on the fact that I got Tommy and uh, Molly May. Yeah. And then you have Amy, Anna, 
Michael, Anton and Danny at the Struggling. moment. So, Struggling. So yeah, you've right. lost Yuande, I lost Joe. Um, that means we've got eight uh, people remaining that we can uh, choose from uh, and we'll be taking uh, two boys, two girls each. Um, John, I'll let you decide actually on this one straight up if you want to go first or second. Well, I decided last time actually. You decided last I would, time. I I chose to go first last time. Okay, so should I go first? <laughs> I'm happy to go first. Um, you know what? If you as you you gentlemanly gave me the offer, I'm going to take <laughs> it because I, I as you can see from the teams that we currently have, I am. Um, not looking I mean it's still time but it's yeah. not looking good for me at the moment um, right. with with the people that I've got especially with like Michael and Amy and stuff that you know they are uh, for polar opposite reasons not looking in, in good shape at the moment so I will uh, take your offer and I will go first okay. and I'm going to take somebody who I didn't actually like at first but I've grown to like them yeah Mora. Yeah, I knew you were going to do that. I was. Hot. I even had the cursor was just after Mora <laughs> to write John. Um, okay, so you're going for Mora. I think that's a great. I think that's a great pick. Um, I'm going to take Bell as my um, my first pick. Uh, the partner of Anton mm-hmm. de Bev. Uh, so, and then my next pick because I obviously get. Uh, the first two. I'm going to take a bit of a risk here and go for Joanne or Joanna. We don't actually know her name, so that's going to be my second pick because I think we're going to, it's going to see a Josh and Kaz style situation where they actually they can ride out the storm of this first week post Casa Amor. Uh, I think actually they could be quite a strong couple that, yeah. that that go on through the show, but they'll have to survive the first eviction it, yeah. or whatever it is. But I think, do you know what? If they go down to that situation where it's the housemates vote, um, I think they have enough of a connection or they'll be a strong enough couple that people aren't going to say, well, they're the least compatible yeah. when you've got other couples lying around. So those yeah, are my that's a good two shout. picks. That's a good shout. That would have been my next one if you didn't go with Joanna. Um, the rest is a, it's a tricky one after that because Marvin... Is he a mute? I don't know. Does he speak? I don't even know what he sounds <laughs> I've like. I've never heard him speak. He might sound like Mickey Mouse or something. Yeah. Waiting to see what he sounds like. Um, George is with Lucy again. Um, he's not quite a mute, but I, mean, I think he thinks Lo- uh, Love Island is Library Island because he's very, very hush hush. Um, I'm going to go with Ovi. Ovi. I think that's a good shout. Um, yeah, I'm going Ovi. Like you know, he was very um, comforting last night of Amber. You know, showing his sense is uh, sensitive and and caring side. And, popular online as well. And he's very popular online. Yeah. So that means that he's probably likely to be get get the votes when they actually get the opportunity. Uh, who's your next pick then? My next pick is going to be George um, because I think. Um, just because I feel like he said a bit more. <laughs> There's okay. no other reason for it. So you've gone for Ovi and George, uh, which means by default then I will be taking um, Marvin and Jordan. Um, and you... Oh, we're missing Jordan, aren't we? Well, so yeah, so Jordan. Marvin and I've got yeah. Marvin and Jordan and then you get Jordan um, on that uh, logic because of the, the way that it works. So um, I'll take that. I think, I think, do you know what? Jordan is... 
doing all right. And I, I think Marvin is a good one for me to pick up because Mora, I think Mora is going to be a finalist. Yeah. And assuming we don't know really what his personality is like yet, but if he's sort of flown a bit under the radar to this point, old Marvin. He's probably a fairly nice guy. If he's got a bit of banter in him, which Ooh. he probably does, to yeah. be honest, if Mora's kind of happy to couple up with him, um, I think Marvin could be a dark horse there. Yeah. Um, I, at this point, I can't see anyone winning the show other than Molly May and Tommy. Yeah, which would be um, good for you. But things, you can, things can all change. They can all change. Um, yeah. All change, please. <laughs> uh, you're now approaching the end of the Love Island uh, section. So... Um, that's how that's going. Uh, John, are you ready to do a, your quick boxing round? Yeah. I think it might have to be a two-minute round. Do you think you'd be able to, yeah, to no get problem. it in? I will go for I a special do... sparring two-minute uh, Love Island. Love Island? Has overrun style <laughs> uh, John's boxing round. So I'm, I'm going to sound the bell uh, now and you'll take it away. I will indeed. Right, not too much going on this weekend again in the world of boxing, although there was a matchroom show in the Dunkin' Donut Centre nice. in Providence, Rhode Island. The only time I'd heard of Rhode Island before this was in the Family Guy. That's where they're, that's, guy. That's where they're from, isn't Me, it? myself and Irene. I think. Yeah. Um, so, uh, former WBO heavyweight champion uh, of the world, Joseph Parker, beat Alex Leopold in a 10th round stoppage. I actually really like Joseph Parker. Um, I thought when he came over here and he fought uh, Joshua and uh, Dylan White, I thought that he carried himself well. Um, and um, I think he definitely has a following here in the UK. Going forward, I would love to see uh, Parker face someone like Derek Chisora, uh, maybe in the O2. Um, it would be, be a great crowd there. Well, the Brits will be definitely down to support Chisora. He's also got a lot of support. Or uh, we can roll Alexander Povetkin uh, out of the wheelchair um, and uh, see if, uh, if um, they can get something going. Both winnable fights for him, um, so uh, let's watch that space. And also WBO uh, um, middleweight title holder uh, Demetrius Andrade beat uh, Selecki. I'm not going to pronounce his first name because I will butcher it. And uh, the unanimous decision. Uh, what next for Andrade? Well, Mr. Eddie Hearn. Her- um, Eddie Hearn. Uh, Eddie Hearn. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, suggests that he could face Canelo uh, in September, but and that would be a unification fight. However, I don't know if you've seen this. Um, Canelo has been made franchise champion. There isn't enough seconds for me to explain what that is. However, um, it's almost like he's going to be champion forever. He can take on who he wants. So that kind of whether and whether he wins or he loses, franchise he will be champion. franchise champion. If you don't want more information on that, check Google. Google it. <laughs> Google it. Um, and yeah, that's about it for this week. Um, I think my two minutes is uh, nearly up. So ring that bell, and uh, we will give Smashed another round it. next week. Smashed it. Um, that was pretty good. That was all good. Um, like you say, franchise champion sounds interesting. I'd be interested in taking on a belt like that one day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know what. Um, it just smells of corruption to me. It does. Um, doesn't there's it? too many belts in boxing. Yeah. Um, and this is another one uh, created by the WBC. It, so just to get more sanctioning fees, Canelo is the money man. You know what um, that sounds boxing. like. You know what that sounds like? That sounds like a conspiracy. It does, it does. Out there yeah. and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, that's that a lovely segue. Be a lovely segue to uh, introduce our conspiracy connoisseur, 
Greg the Egg Hollands. Um, so let's head to that now. We'd like to welcome to the show this week our regular conspiracy connoisseur, Greg the Egg Hollands, uh, host of the Real Men's Room podcast. How are you, Greg? How are you doing? All good. Yeah, glad to, glad to be back, Dan. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm really well. Um, I'm on the, the right side of a, a cold now. Um, I had a cold for like the whole of last week. And obviously we've had that ridiculous weather in London over the weekend. Yeah. Um, and I think that I think that's kind of like pushed it on, and um, yeah, I'm 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 definitely on the good side of it now. A little bit of it hanging around, but I can certainly speak now, which is which is much better than I was this time last week. Um, have you been you've been pretty well then? You back in uh, Essex at the moment, or is it Kent? Back in sunny Essex, yeah, down on the coast, really enjoying the in, enjoying the heat, enjoying the sun. We, uh, me and my mates, went for a drunk bike ride on Saturday. A drunk so, uh, that bike good. ride. Yeah, we started at about twelve in the afternoon and ended about twelve at night. Uh, no injuries, <laughs> main thing. Uh, no, it was a good time. Nice. I take it you yeah. probably didn't have lights by the end of it either. No lights, no helmets, no. <laughs> oh, there we go. Caution to the wind. Um, exactly. You have a conspiracy for us today. Am I right? I do, Dan. Of course, I do. Exactly. All right. So, got, I, so yeah, today I'm going to be talking to you about. Area 51. Oh, okay. Area 51, that is a classic uh, conspiracy. Um, does it even exist? That's probably the, the first question. But, um, Greg, we'll let you uh, take it away with the Area 51 stuff. Exactly. Thanks, Dan. So, okay, so Area 51, for about 60 years, it was really shrouded in this mystery of why does it exist, does it exist, all of this. But since 2013, uh, that was the first time it was actually ever referenced through CIA unclass declassified files. So uh, okay. we do now actually have a little bit of a brief history about it, which I would like to tell you now. Please do. Um, so in the early 1950s, the US were conducting low-flying recon missions over the Soviet Union in Russia. However, they were constantly worried about being spotted and shot down by Soviet military. So in 1954, President Eisenhower authorised the development of the top-secret high-altitude aircraft, which was named Project Aquatone. And this basically became the uh, the Lockheed U-2. Okay. Not the band, of the, the plane. No. Uh, Bono wasn't involved. He was not. So for this to happen, for Project Aquatone to take place, the government needed a location to, to build this that was far away enough from civilians and at a lower risk of enemy spies finding it. Eventually, they settled in the ideal location in the Nevada desert near a salt flat called Groom Lake, which was to be the home of Area 51. Now, the reason for the name Area 51 is unknown, but there's a, there's a theory that the name comes from the nearby nuclear test sites in Nevada. Okay. Uh, and these sites, they're basically split into numbered sections, and uh, the... The, uh, the base known officially as Groom Lake fits into Area 51 of those nuclear test sites, therefore Area 51. Um, this particular area as well was actually familiar to the US military beforehand, as uh, in World War II it was used as an aerial gunnery range. 
Okay, so if we skip a bit later on to the 50s, sure. sighting of unidentified flying objects began to increase around the Nevada desert. And this was, in fact, because the Air Force had begun testing the Lockheed U-2 aircraft as part of Project Aquatome. There was reason of the suspicion and the belief that this was actually alien spare, uh, spacecraft because the U-2, basically the point of it was to reach a higher altitude than any other flight. Okay. So U-2 could reach an altitude of 60,000 feet, while at the time a normal airliner could reach around 20,000 feet and military aircraft could reach around 40,000 feet. So you think about it, if you're a civilian and you're at uh, you know, ground level and you do see a speck bright up in the sky that you've never seen aircraft up that high, you would probably think, UFO. well, that's not. So it makes sense. Uh, and it does lead to the speculation and belief that this was alien spacecraft. Mm. Um, and obviously, though, the, the credence of this speculation was added because the US couldn't explicitly say what it was because it would give away to Russia what they were up to. So instead of admitting that, oh, it's us, we're doing the U2 thing to get information on Russia, they instead uh, instead said that the sightings were, quote, natural phenomena and, quote, high-altitude weather research. So there you go. Hmm. Uh, the U2 testing was complete towards the end of the 1950s, but Area 51 is still used as a testing facilities. Uh, and the Lockheed A-12 and the Lockheed F-117A were actually uh, built and tested there. Yeah, I'm looking at some uh, some pictures now um, of the A-12 itself. It looks a bit like Concorde. It's a lot yeah, like yeah. Concorde. And, um, I don't know if you know the, the Nighthawk, that sort of black flat. Nighthawk. Um, I know that yeah. from Step Brothers. You must call me Nighthawk. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. Let's have a look. Nighthawk plane, is that right? Yeah, one. It's the one that's really like black and sort of flat. It's very, very quick. I think okay. they said that I was watching a few documentaries and they said that it's actually quicker than a speeding bullet. Wow. So, um, it's so pretty cool. intense. Such a cool looking yeah, really plane. Cool. Exactly. But um uh and also adding on to this. So adding on to the speculation is, of course, the Roswell incident. I'm not sure if you've heard of this. Tell me more. So in the 1940s, going back a little bit, a rancher in Roswell, New Mexico, found a strange piece of scrap metal wreckage near his home and reported it to the authorities and media. Within hours, the discovery was confiscated by high-ranking military officials. A little bit weird. Mm -hmm. uh, and the next day, the US military... The U.S. Army released a statement claiming that it was simply just a piece of crashed weather balloon. And weather balloons, of course, at the time were used uh, in an effort to keep tabs on communist Russia. Uh, it's a little bit strange because they, within hours of finding out, they confiscated it. And then the next day, they released a statement explaining it away. Now, mm. something found in a back garden to then the US military having to release a statement about it. That's quite a jump. So it must have been something of importance. Or, you know, knowing what we do know now, we can put it towards it was something that the US are working on, but they can't explicitly say because it will ruin the war effort. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, you know, I, I'm sceptical of what's actually going on, but it's shrouded in such mystery that, um, you know, there's obviously going to be speculation about what's really going on. 
Um, looking on to a different documentary that I watched, actually it's on Netflix, it combines quite nicely with Greg Recommends, um, <laughs> the, the new Bob Lazar documentary. Okay. What's the documentary called? I've, I've, I've not watched it yet, but I've, I've, heard, uh, I've heard things, I've heard bits. Yeah. So it's called Bob Lazar and Flying Saucers. Uh, so essentially, it t- follows this guy, Bob Lazar, who claims to have worked at it's the Green Lake for in Bob, Area 51. Bob Lazar. Bob Lazar, that's the one. So he says that he worked at a facility called S4 okay. uh, at Area one And uh, in his first TV interview in the 80s, in which he uh, remained anonymous, he claimed that there were nine flying saucers being reverse engineered, tested on, and taken part to examine. Uh, and he was mainly working on the propulsion elements. Now, the TV host asked him, where did you get, where, where did the government find them? Where did you get them from? And Lazar's response, of course, was anything that goes around on Area 51, any knowledge that's passed around is heavily departmentalised. So he would only know what he had to know for his specific job. Okay. Um, yeah, I heard this. With- so they had, is, is, am I right in thinking they had multiple scientists but they could never actually basically meet each other or they never got to work together so it'd be like you're working in this building today and tomorrow you'll be in this building and basically they're just on some sort of like a rotation system where they can never confer with one another it would essentially work out if you put it in perspective it's like you're sat at a desk you know what is on that desk and that is the limit of what you know okay really you know what it what what pertains to your role, and that's it. Yeah, that they, was a um, similar system to the um, the Bletchley Park um, Enigma Code uh, yeah. crackers yeah. during uh, World War Two. I think they had the similar system. They didn't actually know necessarily what they were working on. They just had a a task in front of them to complete. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And um, I was watching a documentary this morning actually, and there was a guy that worked at the Area Fifty One as well. And he said that there would be uh, a brief in the morning uh, as you landed to come into work and then a brief as you left telling you explicitly what you could talk about with your family or friends and what you couldn't. So secrecy is a huge thing there. And of course, looking back on it, it doesn't have to just be about UFOs and aliens. You know, if we are doing things against, you know, back in the Cold War against Russia and stuff, it makes sense to be secretive. It doesn't mean that there is an extraterrestrial element to the story. No, yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. Um, um, so the, this Bob Lazar documentary, um, I'm, it, I think it's about an hour and 40 minutes, and I've had to stop and restart it twice. It's a really confused. It doesn't really know what it's trying to tell itself. Um, it's got Mickey Rourke narrating it. Really? Um, the wrestler. It's really, really bizarre. It's... A, 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 Give it a go, watch it for sure. But um, you know, I've not finished it yet, and this kind of thing I finish like instantly if I can. But it is just a real. The pacing is really off. Um, Bob Lazar has been called into question. Actually, um, of course, it is difficult to prove if he ever worked at Area Fifty One. But then he does come back and say, "Well, we, yeah, they've they've wiped any knowledge of me or any existence. Of course, that's how it works." However. Uh, there is other speculation in that he claims to have a master's degree from MIT. Okay. Big time. Except there's there's no record of him ever attending MIT and no one from MIT remembers him. Oh, <laughs> um, not on the alumni phone list. 
No. Uh, and also when he, uh, I see what you did there. <laughs> <laughs> when he, uh, that's a story for another time. Um, when he was asked to name his professors at MIT, he did gave, give the name of one professor, but it was at a different college called Pierce Junior College, which he was actually, in fact, registered right. for. Doesn't, doesn't so, sound as prestigious as uh, the Massachusetts Institution of Technology, does it? There you go, yeah. And, uh, you know, it adds credence in that if he's willing to lie about his education, mm. what is he willing to lie about? Yeah, I, I heard, um, I don't know if it's a quote from him or from someone else, but that it was kind of the stuff that they were supposed to be kind of reverse engineering was the equivalent if you took like a Bugatti Veyron uh, now and then went back to like the medieval times and, and said to them, right. like, look at this, um, you know, can you try and reverse engineer this? And they would have absolutely like no clue what the hell this was. Um, so yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, you look how quickly everything, well, what in three generations, we've gone from barely having light bulbs and electricity to now me being able to call you on this and then upload it on a podcast later on this evening. You know it's I mean? crazy, isn't it? I, I yeah. still struggle with just getting my head around just... <laughs> the most basic forms of kind of wireless communication just like the idea that we actually send information through the air um in in the quantities that we do is is just ridiculous when you actually break it down and think about it um yeah. i just think it's it's insane um what we're you know is capable basically um, you can and, really drive yourself mental if you think about it too much. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, I just think we take so many things for granted. I know we're taught about it in in secondary school about um, you know different frequencies and radio waves and um, you know all, all of that stuff. But when you actually really think about it, just how ridiculous what even just wireless internet or mobile coverage or any of any of this is it's it's crazy and yeah like you say if you went back three generations even if you'd said to thomas edison uh, who's probably widely regarded as the the greatest sort of inventor of all time you said to edison right. we yeah we're gonna be um doing a podcast and i'll be running you through a phone into a soundboard and we'll have a laptop and and it you know it's using this bit of internet and it's connected here and it's just insane um, yeah, what what is capable. Um, so I guess to link that back to Area Fifty One, um, I th you know is is there is it really um, unrealistic to think that there are these kind of crafts that are way way out of our kind of mental capacity at this point? Well, there you go. Yeah, exactly. Um... No, yeah, for sure. What's for the sure. what's the argument of keeping it a secret? What's, I suppose. What's the benefit? Well, I suppose if you look back and if okay, so if the US would so they declassified everything in 2013, and President Obama is the first and only president to ever acknowledge the base as Area 51. Um, I think that a massive benefit, as I mentioned briefly, if the US came out and said, "Oh." They're not flying saucers. They're actually spy planes that we're yeah. going to fly over the, um, the USSR to gather more intel. The USSR are going to hear that and think, right, okay, well, let's 
right, let's war then. Because basically the thing was that they were boasting about their, nu- uh, their nuclear abilities. So the US wanted to go over, take pictures and spy on them to make sure if they were you know, lying or if it was actually true. So if the US came out and said that and the, the Russians were, were you know, truthful, they could easily go, OK, send the nukes over before they can even <laughs> get, get within a mile radius of yeah. us. You know what I mean? So I think some things need to stay secret because that could have ruined the war effort. You know, the Cold War was a, a difficult time and a, like a weird time. So if that helped, you know, get us to where we are now, who knows now if, you know, they came out and said absolutely everything's going on, that knowledge to conspiracy theorists is like, oh, okay, cool, I was right. But then to the enemy, that's valuable information. Yeah, okay. I, I, I see where it is. Um, what's your thoughts then, Greg's personal um, take on Area 51 and whether uh, these alien craft exist? Okay, so I think that but what Bob Lazar says, if he is truthful... It's very, very damning in the case that they are hiding something extraterrestrial. And I really wouldn't be surprised. You know, I, I, you bring it back to the point of we're one planet in, what, out of eight in our solar system, out of 10 billion oh, galaxies. It's, it's insane. I think it's like a no-brainer that there there are other um, exactly. intelligent life, you know, uh, sources on in the universe. For sure. Um, there's also, you know, I've got a few random facts on here that I will bring into my point. They, um, so the U.S. military were, uh, you know, the film Independence Day. Yeah. The, the U.S. military was signed up to help in the production of it, <laughs> um, in providing equipment uh, and access to military bases. But as soon as they read the part of the script that referenced Area 51, they immediately withdrew their support. Hmm. Um, guilty. And another, it, which a little bit weird, uh, and also in 1974, uh, astronauts above uh, and aboard the space station Skylab 4 accidentally took pictures of Area 51, despite specific instructions not to, uh, and still to this day it is the only place on Earth to have instructions not to be photographed from space. Hmm. So, you know, there, there's there's secrecy and then there is shady yeah, well, it makes Trade, sense because yeah. dur- dur- even during this, uh, the recording of this segment here on the Back to Football podcast, um, I was trying to look up Area Fifty One on Google Maps, and yeah. it doesn't even give me. You know, you can't even put into the search terms Area Fifty One Nevada. It just says there's nothing. There's nothing here. Yeah. Um, I can probably I can probably find it eventually, but. No, it's it's little things like that. It is things like that. There is, um, you know, if it was just a military base, then, you know, would they be this secret to well, not mention it? For yeah, years? exactly. You know, it, it's, I, I get the skepticism about it, but I also get, you know, we're all skeptical about it, but we don't deserve to know what's really going on because that is, you know, meaningless to us, but to the enemy is valuable. That's my, that's my closing thoughts on it, to be honest, Dan. Yeah, I mean, I guess, can um, Donald Trump be trusted, like, after his presidency to keep uh, I, these kind of things a secret? You know, whatever he is uh, able to access around these topics, um, I, can imagine, I can imagine that he may be uh, the one president that kind of does leak uh, some of this information um, after his presidency is, is up. Um, He'll tweet. He'll tweet about it. <laughs> yeah, he'll tweet something like, you know, oh, big, 
huge secrets um, at Era 51 yeah. and, you know, reignite uh, the conspiracy theories, uh, I'm sure, for, for many, many years to come. Uh, okay, so, yeah, Era 51, um, it's pretty much covered. Uh, what's the name of the documentary again, if, if people want to go and watch it? So it was called uh, Bob Lazar and Flying Saucers. It was just released on Netflix. Give it a watch, see what you think. Sweet. Okay, well, that's our conspiracy theory for the week here on the Back to Football podcast. Greg, uh, we'll see you again in a couple of weeks. Perfect. Lovely. Thanks for having me on. Cheers, Dan. All right. Cheers, Greg. Bye. Thank you, Greg. Uh, that was a great conspiracy segment on Area 51 aliens. Uh, John, do you think other intelligent life sources exist in the universe? No. No? Oh, bloody hell. That's a, that's a, <laughs> that's a take on, uh, on the BTF podcast here. Um, yeah, thank you, Greg. Uh, we'll see you in another couple of weeks with a brand new conspiracy. Uh, John, it's time, I think, to go back to football. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll quickly run through the, the key events of this week. Big news this morning is uh, Super, Super Frank, Super Frankie Lampard yes. uh, is returning to the Premier League and returning to Chelsea uh, as their head coach, replacing uh, Maurizio Sarri, who, of yes. course, has uh, gone back to Serie A. Uh, do you think Lampard's got what it takes to be a well he's already a Chelsea legend but to, to win titles um, jury's out for me I know uh, I've got quite a few Chelsea uh, friends Chelsea supporter friends uh, not Chelsea f- uh, players who are friends Chelsea supporters <laughs> and uh, no they, uh, they're they quite excited about this and stuff and obviously he's got that legendary status Yeah, uh, it's too early to tell for me I, um, I'm a massive fan of Frank Lampard um, even though I was an Arsenal supporter I think he was a brilliant player yeah I think I just, that's quite a universal thing yeah, actually, yeah he's one of those players people like he? him he's a very yeah. likeable guy and um, I just hope um, I, I don't think whether he, he because of the status of, of play the, the landscape of the Premier League at the moment if he fails and by fails I mean doesn't, doesn't win, win doesn't win the title which is crazy. I think it's actually a perfect time for him to take the job because if he doesn't win the title we can just go oh well you know Pep Guardiola is just amazing yeah. and, and Man City have got all the money and Klopp is just amazing and they've, they've built a fantastic team over the few years you know and Chelsea yeah. got a transfer ban yeah and Chelsea always. got a transfer ban yeah. so he's, he has got the sort of perfect uh, landscape to, to come in <clears throat> and be the manager so um, all the best all the best for him there I think he'll do well but whether he will or not the jury is still out he's quite early Early in his yeah, obviously, almost um, got promotion with Derby this year. Just missed out um, via the playoffs, um, but <clears throat> very good, very good guy. I think he's man manager. He's going to be very good and different level of player as well. Now he's yeah. at Chelsea versus Derby. Like he's got a serious squad uh, under his belt, and he's already, I think, secured new contracts for Ruben Loftus Cheek yeah. and uh, Hudson Odoi, Callum Hudson Odoi. Assigned new contracts, uh, and Mason Mount, I think, is also in the process of, of signing on again. So I think there's going to be a focus on youth there. Yeah, definitely. Apparently, Sarri, in his entire spell at Chelsea, didn't watch one uh, youth training session or attend any under-23 games. He was yeah, fully not- focused on the, the main team and smoking cigarettes. Yeah, not good. Not good. Uh, and Jorginho, probably polishing Jorginho's boots. <laughs> uh, Surprised he hasn't taken it with him. Jorginho must have some crazy like blackmail thing or something on, uh, yeah. on Sarri because uh, Sarri just seemed to... 
worshipped that guy. First name on the team. Do anything you wanted and... uh, didn't really work out, did it this year? Although they did obviously win uh, yeah. a major European trophy. Yeah, they did. Uh, and I think Sarri's going to do very well um, at, at Juve this year. Uh, but they've got, again, some fantastic players that yeah. maybe he didn't have this year at Chelsea. Um, USA are in the final of the uh, CONCACAF Gold Cup. Mm-hmm. Um, Pulisic scored a couple of goals in the uh, in the semi-final so I think that's going to uh, be quite interesting very interesting uh, I think it's up against Mexico in the final um, which again is a, a big rivalry for, for football um, and politically it's quite a, yeah. a big match uh, USA also in another final in the Women's World Cup they are indeed uh, took on England in the you semi-final watch the game? I watched half the game and then I tuned in <laughs> to Love Island which is um Probably says more about me than it does about women's football. Yeah, um, totally. Because it was good. It was good. I watched a Cricket. bit of it on my phone. Mm. I saw the penalty miss, uh, the penalty call uh, via VAR was interesting. Um, but it's really good, actually. I think to see um, the states uh, and sports fans in America, it's a good time for the Women's World Cup to be on because obviously. NBA's finished, uh, hockey season's finished. It's the one time of the year where there's nothing going on in the in the football yeah. season, uh, American football season. Uh, and baseball's kind of at that 80 game point in the season where it's not too, you know, there's no World Series going on or anything like that. So, as a sport in America, Women's World Cup soccer is actually kind of front page news at the moment. And they will be taking on Holland in the final, uh, who got a bit of a sweaty 109th minute goal to I mean the goal itself wasn't sweaty the goal sweaty. wasn't a sweaty goal the that goal was wasn't a sweaty goal finish. but the, the win was a little bit sweaty yeah. it, it came down to fitness in the end um, I actually thought Sweden were brilliant and I thought they would, they deserved to win it in 90 minutes because uh, they were the stronger team they just didn't have the endurance mm. over the, the 120 minutes um, but the Dutch team I think will give the USA a good game but my money's still on the USA to win it yeah, I lost some money, didn't I? So I remember I said I was going to put, a, <laughs> you did actually, yeah. put some money down on uh, on, on France, on and France, then they lost. Yeah. They lost uh, uh, to the USA, so I uh, wasn't too happy about that. <laughs> I forgot about that. Um, but no, yeah, I'm gutted, gutted for England. Yeah. Um, you know, watching the game, I thought, nah, they got no chance. Um, you know, the first 10, 15 minutes, it was just like they were being swamped. They were uh, losing all the fifty fifties. They were struggling to kind of get any good passing uh, uh, play together and, and keep possession of the ball, misplacing a few passes. But they grew into the game and it was a great finish. Um, yeah. Absolutely fantastic finish. For the England goal. Yeah, the England yeah. goal was a great goal. Um, and I thought, you know what? Yeah, they, they could do this. But, um, you know, just, just... Wasn't to be. It wasn't to be. wasn't to be. Um, you know, and as a, as a Brit, I really like to... I love it when we beat uh, the Americans, our older, more stronger cousin. Yeah. Um, you know that always wants to beat you up, <laughs> and yeah, that's and it. always wins the fights when you're when when you're over at your auntie's house. Um, but unfortunately, um, unfortunately, it wasn't to be on this occasion. Who will um, you be supporting in the final? I, do you know what? As a as a child, I always supported Holland. You know, I got into football because I saw Dennis Bergkamp. Um, yeah. You know, I didn't really wasn't really interested before, and I kind of watched my first game, and then I saw Dennis Bergkamp doing some amazing skills, mm-hmm. and then kind of started following him. And you know, so I, I although I once supported England um, in Europe two and Championships and World Cups, I always support Holland as well. 
So I will be supporting Holland uh, just to follow that trend going Fair forward. Um, however, I do think the USA will win. But I will say, state, I will make a statement, see if you agree. England, the second best team in the world? Yeah. Uh, yes. I, I, no. No. I'm not. No. Yeah, I, I don't. I think England would have struggled against. Sweden and Holland as well. Yeah, I think you know. Don't get me wrong. We we we're, we're up there. We're in top four. Mm. I think it was the the four that made it to the semi-finals. Um, maybe with the you know add on Germany and and France into that. Um, it's the top six, and it's there's not a lot between each team. Yeah. Um, different teams have different strengths. I thought, like you say, the the Swedish team were were strong. The Dutch team uh, have a little bit more about them in terms of creativity and yeah. and maybe actual technique on the ball. Um, I think the USA team is probably more in the in the strength and and fitness yeah. area, um, but I don't think there's a a lot to choose uh, to pick between all the top ones. Mm. I think in a six six horse race we could probably win. Yeah, uh, you know, Green, we, yeah. we could win. We could be the top one, but we could also be the sixth. So Ooh. I wouldn't probably go, you know, double down on saying that we're the second best in the world. But we lost to probably the champions and reigning world champions and, and potentially, um, yeah. you know, future world champions as well. So I don't think, you know, what Phil Neville's done there and what all the girls have done, they can be so proud of that because Ooh. it's been a really good run. It's just... In future, England, we, we need to make it past the semi-final in, in some sort of tournament. Yeah. Um, obviously, the semi-finals and the final of Euro uh, 2020 will be at Wembley. Um, so what better place to break our duck yeah. yes. uh, than next year at the Euro Championships uh, on home soil? Uh, hopefully, we can go on to win that. Um, our last point about football this week in the Back to Football segment is Jao Felix signing from Benfica uh, for £116 million for Atletico Madrid. Um, quick one on this. Uh, do you think that's mad money to be paying for these kids? In this day and age, no. That's the current market. But it is, when you think about it, Outside yeah. of the context of what the market is, it is totally and utterly ridiculous. Yeah, for like an 18-year-old. Yeah. Um, it'll be exciting to see him this year. It's, it's interesting that it's Atletico Madrid kind of uh, spending out that yeah. money on a, on a youngster. Um, and I think there is very, you know, seldom higher praise than Diego Simeone, um, you know, putting that trust in a player. Um, there's a couple of players that he's brought in from the Portuguese league. Um, Gaetan is the the one that springs to mind that haven't uh, actually had good careers mm. in La Liga with Atletico Madrid. But um, I think I'd like to see you know João Felix step up to the plate and join those Mbappes and Neymars and Messi, Ronaldo on the on the Ballon d'Or lists. Yeah. Hopefully in the future, if he yeah, lives no, up definitely. to that. There's been a few players that have obviously signed um, of note. Uh, Dembele at uh, Barcelona that that maybe have not lived up to the price tags that they've been given at this young age. Uh, and some would say even Mbappe, although he's a world champion, uh, has still got some some uh, way to go to kind of prove his worth in the in the hundred million category. It. But I think it. you'll get that. He's elite. He's yeah, elite. He's an elite We'll wrap the show up here because uh, we are on the clock. Uh, yeah, got places the... to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Things to do, people to see. Any, any plans for the weekend? Probably, um, well, working a bit on Saturday, um, mm-hmm. seeing a few friends, 
Um, might go see a show tomorrow night, a uh, nice. little theatre show somewhere. Not sure which one yet. Possibly six Ooh, nice, um, nice. or waitress, one of those two, uh, depending on what tickets are available. But you, I am heading to Henley Regatta. Um, oh, nice! Yes, um, posh things. Yes, my wife, um, uh, her boss uh, is a member, or I think, or his his best friend is a member. And we're heading to the stewards' enclosure, which is Ooh. the post tickets. Apparently, I heard it's about seven hundred pound a ticket. What? So um, yeah, that's, that's silly uh, money. <laughs> very silly. You almost, get a free boat. Yeah, potentially. I yeah. hope so. I hope there's some free something. Um, but uh, yeah, obviously not not paying that. It's uh, obviously bring Back your other, bring your bring your other half to work day sort of thing. <laughs> You're working. <laughs> yeah, bring your other half to your work away day sort of thing. So. Um, yeah, I'm really looking forward nice. to that. I've never been to the Henley Regatta before, and Mate. what better way to um, You're the posh go host. to the first one? The posh host of the BTF podcast, going Ascot and yeah. Henley Regatta, yeah, yeah, and yeah. Uh, where are you off to yeah. next? Oh, I don't know, I don't know. We're soon we'll, we need to write, write this down. Croquet Championships. Yeah, the Croquet Championships, uh, the, the journeys of no, John Miller. Um, apparently, just that, in case you didn't know, you're not allowed to use your phones or, um, or take your phones out in the stewards' enclosure. If you do, you'll be asked to leave and potentially uh, the person who is a member can also lose their membership. Wow. So I will not be uh, having my phone on. That's um, a ridiculous Jill. rule. Yeah, That's so like, that is just, nah. Yeah. I don't buy that. I don't buy that. Uh, I'm going to ring you. Uh, so you there. Um, Make yeah, sure my phone's thank, on Thank me later. All yeah, right, mode. Well, thanks for listening to the BTF podcast this week. Uh, you can go follow us on social media and check out all our Love Island tweets, uh, some of which are getting 9,500 likes, uh, which is, you know, we're very humble on this show and we've not actually mentioned that. Uh, so go and have a look at us on Twitter. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll see you next week. See you later. Bye.